Hi, we're so excited that you stopped by to check out this week's podcast. We hope that you will be blessed by the sermon. If you'd like more info about Providence, visit our website, providencecommunity.org. We hope to see you soon. Just a few. Uh, But can I just share something that was on my heart? That Palm Sunday, we celebrated the greatness of Jesus. Do you remember Palm Sunday? Where Jesus riding, riding to uh, the place of his death. And uh, willingly for the joy set before him. And then um, as he was riding there, he was, he was, uh, he was healing blind people. Uh, he was calling a uh, hated, uh, hated rich guy out of a tree. He was celebrating that salvation came to his house. Repentance was breaking out. Um, he, uh, as he was riding to Jerusalem, he was coming down the, the hill in Bethany. Um, the disciples were making a huge deal of him, and Jesus was receiving all of this praise. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And the Pharisees didn't like that. And Jesus said, the rocks and trees will cry out if they don't. So we see the greatness of Jesus. Uh, he's healing the blind. He's saving the hated. He's, he's, he gets to Jerusalem, and then he gets to the temple, and, and he's, he's driving out not people from his presence, but a religious system that doesn't work in the kingdom. He's driving it out. It's very great. I was reading um, this week about this same Jesus who spoke the world into existence, who formed each person in their mother's womb. And this same Jesus that, that rocks would, would suddenly break forth in praise if, if humans who were created to do so didn't. This same Jesus here in the, the Gospel of John chapter 13, starting with verse 2, is eating dinner with his disciples. And it says, during supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper, and he laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? In other words, uh, Peter's saying, don't even think about it. Don't even think about it. I've been with you for three years. I know that you're better than me. You're not going to do what servants are supposed to do. You're not going to wash me. You're not going to wash me. Now, there's a lot to this story, but I actually just want to stop right there for a moment. Can we do that? That tonight, uh, well, can we do that? Is that all right? Is that so somebody, okay? Because this is, it's a Friday night, but it can still be a Sunday morning happy, right? Okay? So, but, uh, but tonight, I, I, here's what I want to see. I want us to see this, that Jesus in all of his greatness, his greatness never changed. All, he's always great. And Jesus, when he's receiving greatness on the road, even from rocks and trees, if they needed to, is now pressing into a situation, and he's, he's foot washing. He's foot washing. Now, we don't really do that uh, nowadays, but foot washing in this day, it was strictly done by servants in this culture. And it needed to be done because you didn't have cars. Um, you walked everywhere. And so the dirtiest place on you was your feet. And so these, these men are walking in. Their feet need washed, but it's the dirtiest place on them. It hasn't been washed yet. And so Jesus, in the middle of dinner, he, he takes on the, the, 
humility of a servant, and he begins to bend down, and he begins to, to wash all the filth and all the dirt and all the garbage and all the nasty and all the things that you don't really want people looking at. He's washing this off of the men's feet, but really what he's doing is this is a, a prophetic thing where, he, where he, is, he is speaking, I'm not afraid of your filth. See, God really doesn't care so much about uh, clean feet. He didn't die for clean feet. He died for clean hearts. So what he's doing is, is he's pressing into the, the filthy place in these men's life. Let me just say it this way, that Jesus in all, of his great, in all of his greatness is in close proximity with his disciples' dirtiness. You hear this? Even Judas, Jesus knows that the enemy has entered this man and he's about to betray him for a small amount of money. And Jesus is even found washing the dirtiness off of Judas' feet. And he's not afraid of, of, uh, uh, of people's filth. He's, he's not afraid of being betrayed. He still loves Judas, just like he still loves Peter and John. And I don't know about you, but this just doesn't seem right to me. It doesn't seem right that, Jesus, you're great. Rocks worship you. Jesus, you're great. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, right? You're great. You shouldn't be pressing into dirtiness. You should, you, we, we should be washing your feet. And that was Peter's argument, that it doesn't seem right. And that's why Peter said, no, Lord, I'm not going to let you clean the dirtiest part of me. I want you to hear this this morning, that in God's kingdom, Jesus does not run from your dirtiness, and does not run from your darkness, and he does not run from your messiness. Jesus does not run from the nastiest part of you. Jesus doesn't run from the hidden part of you. Jesus doesn't run from your addictions. Jesus doesn't run from the marriage that you've tried to make look like it's fine on the outside, but you've never let him into the inside. Jesus doesn't run from those things. Jesus runs to those things. This is pretty amazing. Jesus doesn't run from your dirtiness. Peter's still in a religious system, unfortunately. Jesus, get off of my dirt. Stay away from me. And Jesus is like, no, 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 I have to do this. You, in other words, you've got to let me into the dirty parts of you. You, you, can't, you can't pretend they're not there. You can't say, I'll handle my dirt some other way. You can't say, I'll get one of the servants to do it, because in this case, there is no one that can. There's one price that only Jesus could pay that can handle the worst part of your soul. And that's what we just celebrated at the table. The body of Jesus and the, the blood of Jesus. This is like, it's like this. It's like, parent, any parents in the house, I hear some kids and I love that. From the lips of infants and babes, you have ordained praise, Psalm 8 says, amen, right? Let them cry, come on. The, the, uh, it's like this, when my kids get hurt and there's blood everywhere, um, I don't run away from that saying, oh, call somebody, call the neighbor, call, call let, let's suddenly get a servant to handle that. Uh, I scoop my kids up in my, in my arms when they're hurt in the most wounded place, the most tear-filled place, I go to them. And the, when I hear a night cry, when my kids need me in the middle of the night, I bash into walls and whatnot, and I stump my toe multiple times, but I get to them quickly. It's the heart of a father, guys. 
and the dirtiest part of you, uh, the worst part of you, wherever you're most wounded, wherever you have most pain, you're the heart of the father as he runs to this. And we see this in the prodigal son story. When the prodigal son had completely ruined his whole life and thought he had no more of a future, he, he, he ruined his future, so his, his life so bad that he thought his future meant slavery instead of sonship. He says, well, being a slave is better than this. I guess I'll go home to dad, and as soon as he comes home, the father is, listen, he's not repulsed by the dirt. Uh, he runs to it. Um, he takes off his outer garment to put it on his boys. Jesus takes off his outer garments, wraps a towel around, says, I'm taking care of this stuff now. Taking care of this stuff now. So I would say this, that the, Jesus is so great. Have you ever known somebody like this? He's so great that he starts with the darkest part of you. He's so great, so let's get the big stuff out of the way. Let, let's start at the, at the deepest place of depression. Let's start at the deepest place of anxiety and fear. Let's start with your religious spirit. Let's start with the place where you refuse to receive and you only keep doing. Let's start with that. And as it stresses everybody out uh, around you, let's start with that. Let's start with the, with the, the fears the, and the, the, the places that you should have repented for a long time ago, but you just can't escape those things. Let's, let's start there. In other words, Jesus is, is, is speaking here to his disciples and to us. It's the dirtiest part of you is the first place I'm coming for. You hear this? It's the first place I'm coming for. In the church, lots of times, we give up the easy things, and we seem to hold on to the hard things. I, I, it's scary to release the hard stuff. It's, it's scary to uh, open up and just let authentic dirt gush from the woundedness of your soul. But this is what Jesus wants to do. Start with the hard part. Start with the hard part. The cross is big enough for this. I am big enough for this, Jesus says. I love that the cross is screaming at us this evening. That God is not coming to you because you're deserving. Listen, you've got some nast. I'm in that boat. I'm in that camp. We've got nast. It, Jesus didn't die on the cross because we deserved it. In fact, the power of the cross is that he, dis, uh, he died for us despite the fact that we don't deserve it. But this is how God works. I'm coming after you. Despite what you deserve, I'm giving you what you don't. This is, this is the kingdom. It's grace. It's mercy. It's greatness. I'm showing you by my greatness by giving you something, expecting nothing in return. I just want you. And he wants us to be whole. This is the message of the cross. And we're going to talk about this on, on Sunday. And I, and I hope there's just a lot of shouting and dancing. I hope a few of you uh, do a few somersaults in the aisles. I hope so. There's reason for that. But we're talking about this on Sunday, that this is the greatness of God. That he, he, want, he wants us whole. He de doesn't die for us and expect us to remain dead. Here's the good news of the gospel. You were darkness. You were in the grave. But now the light has come and you've been adopted as sons and daughters into the kingdom of light, into the kingdom of the son he lives, loves. Then the Bible says this, live as children of light. <laughs> Graves get little light. Except Jesus' grave, that was lit up from the inside, and that's what he wants to do to your darkness. He wants to light you up from the inside. 
let's start with the worst place. You don't clean up for Jesus, you clean up because of Jesus, amen? Man, how many of our churches today, and I'm not saying this because I hate them, I, I just want revival to come, guys, and, and I want us to be a part of it, but I don't want us only to be a part of it. I want revival to descend again on the church, not just Providence, just all around us. I want us to infect other churches with the greatness of Jesus. But how many of us um, have, have bought a gospel that's not a gospel? It's, it's, it's a gospel that says, uh, clean up for Jesus. <laughs> clean up for Jesus. Put on your Sunday best. I made sure I wore a t-shirt tonight. We don't need to dress up for him. Some of you look very nice. Very nice. I'm not knocking that. But it's just, it's just Jesus takes us as we are. And we don't clean up for him. We clean up as a result of him. So with Jesus, you walk in the door. But let me say this. He walks in the door. And the dirty leave healed. You hear this? You hear this? The dirty leave clean when Jesus walks in. When Jesus walks in, the empty leave filled. Guys. Jesus doesn't walk in, throw us the greatest news we've ever heard and expect us to stay empty. He wants to fill. He wants to fill. When Jesus walks in, the broken leave restored. When Jesus walks in, those full of darkness leave full of light. When Jesus walks in, those who have been dead inside, leave alive for the first time, guys, when Jesus walks in. So he's, Jesus is not afraid of your darkness. Can I tell you a very biblical truth? That your darkness is, in fact, very afraid of him. When Jesus walks in, your darkness begins to tremble. Because the, what happens when Jesus walks in is, is a grave robbing in its finest sense. Grave robbing. Just Jesus is calling the dead to life, speaking life to deadness when Jesus walks in. And this is what I'm excited about, that the cross comes, but then resurrection comes. And then living in resurrection, guys, is so big. We're going to celebrate that. But I, I really believe that tonight that we need, to, we, we need to remember the goodness of God that comes to our dirt. The, God being good, God being great, God being the treasure of the universe doesn't mean that he is unwilling or repulsed when he needs to stoop down and take care of your dirtiness. You hear this? And so I would say this, guys, every dirty place that you have in your life, every secret sin that you have in your life, you know what Good Friday is for? Letting Jesus bend down. He's going, son, daughter, are you finally going to let me take that? This is, this is taken care of here. And I'm sick of seeing you wear that. God, this fear has been with me a long time. I don't know if you can handle it. God, this addiction has been with me a long time. I know, wait, wait, wait. What do you mean if I can? Darkness trembles around me. You just gotta have to know the greatness of Jesus. His, his goodness drives him to your feet, but his greatness drives sin and doubt and depression and, and everything else away. So here comes Jesus, and he's walking into your life, and he's staring at your dirt, 
and he wants to take care of that. And so on Good Friday, on this evening, I want to, I want to invite you to give God every dirty place of your heart that you've been hiding from him that he sees. He's, he's just, but you know that Jesus stands at the door of your heart and knocks? He's just, I just went in. I just went in. And so if you would just say, I just want to open the door to you, and you can see all my closets, and I invite you to take care of those things. Jesus does that. He does that. In fact, do you, know, do you know the goodness of God is breaking out so much? Remember Bob Whitmore, that he sits over here and he sits in a wheelchair? He has MS, and two weeks ago he was sitting in his chair uh, worshiping God, and he suddenly gained mobility in his hands. And then he suddenly was able, he's been in that for I think 10 years, and he was suddenly able to lift his arms and worship. It's just the goodness of God is breaking out, you see. Yeah. And uh, I actually, I just, just I, I know that we, we've been going at this for almost two hours now. Um, but there's a couple people I'd like to in, invite up just so they can share some, some God outbreaks on you. Uh, do you guys have like five more minutes for this? Any of you? All right. Could you, can, I, can you all come up here real quick? You here? We got, that's Amanda Favreau right there. That's Mike Corson right here. All right. Let's at least clap for Amanda, all right? So I know you know Mike, like, yeah. So anybody else? So guys, listen to this. Amanda, can you tell us what, what happened to you? Sure. All right. Um, hi. I uh, got diagnosed with Lyme in October. I was not feeling well. And things started to progress, and I just started to think about what I was listening to, and I started seeking after healing and healing prayer. And we were at Chick-fil-A one night on a Saturday night, and it was pretty busy. It was about a month and a half ago, and I was getting ready to go to the bathroom, and I stood up, and I was talking to my husband still, and I saw this lady slump over in the front um, by, like, the ordering area, and my, my husband was sitting in the booth, and I was like, I got to go. So I left, and I ran over to the lady, and she was with her husband and um, adult son, and I said, do you need any help? I'm a nurse. And she started to say, I feel like something's going down my face. And she was slurring her words, and I knew that she was potentially having a stroke. And, um, you know, the Chick-fil-A people were like, should we call 911? I'm like, I don't know. That's up to her husband. And I went and got her a chair. We sat her down, and her husband went out to get the truck. And I, I like, bent down, and I was about to pray because I'm thinking I'm at Chick-fil-A, and I can do whatever I want. But... (laughs) I was like, oh, wait a minute. I was like, can I pray for you? And she's like, sure. And I asked her what her name was, and I prayed over her. And then when I was done, she looked up, and she looked at her son, and her, and she said something. I don't remember what she said, but her son was like, oh, my gosh, Mom, you were all wonky or something like that, and, and now you're fine. Your face is fine. You're, you, and she started talking more, and I just got so elated. I was like... Her husband came in, and I was like, she's fine. We just prayed, and I think she's okay, but still go to the hospital. And, you know, I was just so elated with his spirit. I helped him walk out the door, and I just, like, went in the bathroom, was, like, bawling my eyes out, come back out. I think I saw Philip in the line to uh, get dinner as well, and I come back to the, to the table, and my husband Derek's like, where were you? And I was like, you don't even know what just happened. <laughs> But, you know, like that's just invigorated my spirit and has spurred me on more because I know that if I'm not healed from this, then I can at least pray for other people to be healed. And I know that that's what God's been putting on my heart with this. So thanks for letting me share.
So about uh, two and a half years ago, uh, I was diagnosed with chronic regional pain syndrome. And I had been through almost a dozen doctors at the time um, just trying to figure out what was wrong with me because I was losing, I was losing the ability to use my left leg. And um, so I was in this place where I couldn't walk for about a month and still seeing different doctors. And finally, this doctor diagnosed me with, with CRPS. And um, at first, when he diagnosed me and he prescribed this medicine, and I went home, and he acted like it was no big deal, you know? So I went home, and I was just still kind of doing life for a couple of days. Didn't even fill my prescription. And then I decided to get online. I'm like, chronic regional something. And I, 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 uh, I Googled it, and I'm reading, and I realized that this is a progressive, debilitating disease. And... 90% of the people who have it can't work. I'm like, this is bad. And I just had this tremendous fear come over me. And I was in this place where I was unable to walk. I was unable to wear normal clothing. Some of you guys remember. And in this place of tremendous fear for about two weeks, and in this quiet moment in the morning when the sun was still down and I was journaling before God and, and I, I was finally discovering what I was afraid of because this disease was threatening the very thing that I found my identity in. It was my dream of being a great leader and a great father. And I, I realized that and I journaled that to God and I remember I wrote, God, I'm not going to be able to be the leader or the father that I've always longed to be. And in this quiet moment, I sense the Holy Spirit as clear as I've ever heard his voice say to me, Mike, this is the very thing I'm going to use to make you the leader and the father that you've always wanted to be. Yeah. And so I found strength in that, and I began to trust him again. And a few months later was a daddy-daughter dance at my daughter's school. She's 10. And I remember that was the second daddy-daughter dance that we'd been to, and I was barely able to dance. I, I could dance a song, and I sat the rest of the night. And then the following year, uh, things got even worse last year, um, just progressed, and I wasn't able to go at all. And so uh, Kana did some, my daughter did something else that night, and, and she asked, are we going to be able to do it next year? And I said, we're, we're doing it next year, honey, we're doing it. And so um, time went on, and God began to heal me. And he's been healing me and healing me. And two weeks ago was the daddy-daughter dance at our school. And that night, Kana and I danced longer and harder than any other couple at that dance. Yeah. And so I just, I just give glory to God. He is so good and so faithful. And uh, he heals and he restores. So guys, um, there's, a, there's a few other people that didn't come up here. Maybe it's a time. Uh, not all of them were on healing physically, but maybe these came up because maybe the dirtiness in you is, uh, is, is something physical and that you've been believing that this is the one thing. Jesus, you can take care of my sin, but you can't take care of my sickness. Um, and I just want to say he can. He can. Um, so uh, 
we, uh, I remember praying for Mike for like uh, for a few years, and we just kept praying. We kept praying. We're not giving up. Well, we tried. We prayed once. It didn't work. You know, no, it's, it's working. It's, it's we're praying and we're praying. And so uh, God's leading us on a journey. And so I, I think that, uh, that tonight as, uh, as we wrap things up here, I love Mike and I love Amanda and I love some prayer warriors. Just to, before you go, maybe you, you want to come and you want to uh, believe for the impossible in your life, the hopeless place, the dark place in your life that you just haven't let anybody in and you want to begin to welcome God in. If something with one of those testimonies resonated with you, I just uh, go to Mike or go to Amanda for prayer. If you just need prayer in general, uh, we'd love to pray with you. Um, but I, I, I do know this, guys, that the best thing you could ever do is you can take the worst parts of your soul and you can say, God, Jesus, here you go. Here you go. That's what this is about. Here you go. Everything. The cross is bigger than everything. And uh, I believe that God is going to meet you in that place. He's not afraid of you. He wants you. He's paid everything for you. Amen. Do you believe this? You believe this? All right. Can we just receive this? Can we stand to our feet for a moment? Heavenly Father, thanks for a very long service. Longest service ever with kids. It's wonderful. And God, we, just, we're, we, uh, we love just lingering, though. We love just gathering here uh, because there's no other place we'd rather be. We just want to be in your house, God. We just want to be in your presence. We just want to be together. We want to be locking shields up together, facing the fight uh, together, God. And so I, I pray, God, that that's what will be happening tonight. And I pray, Lord, for, for people's uh, shame and people's pain and people's woundedness, past stuff, present stuff, future fears, all of these things, God, that you're not afraid of, but we are. I just pray that tonight would be a night where we could release those to the power of the cross. We believe that you're a God of miracles. We believe that you can when we can't. We believe that you can when doctors can't. We believe that, that you can when we're at our worst, when we're at our most depressed, when we're at our most hopeless, God. You can. We want, you can to be the new posture of our hearts. And we want to, we want to come back Sunday with a, a, a victory, a victory shout in our soul. And God, so just pray that you do whatever it takes right now to, uh, to arrest and capture our hearts for then. God, bless these people. Send them out. Uh, meet with them, I pray. We bless you. We praise you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, guys. Good to be with you.